There are so much uh, that, was great. that, was that reminded me of Pulp Fiction, but in the year 3000 instead, the kind of dark humor it had and the uh, cool kind of hip qualities that the movie had. You think me? How do you feel in that getup? I mean, it's quite an unusual look for you. Well, it, it, it was effective, you know, and it made me feel more evil and kind of unusual and uh, more alien-like, you know. Did you ever fall off those platforms? Uh, no, but uh, it's, you got to be careful. Nine feet tall. Whose idea was Kelly's cameo in the, in the movie? Hers and tongue as well, but we, we lifted it right out of the book. Oh, well, they, yeah, they asked the me to do it, and I said I want, to, I want it to be memorable if I do a cameo. So I thought of the tongue. I'm so proud and thrilled, honestly. Welcome back to a fun-filled episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. This is the podcast where we go back and review the movies that bombed. Uh, boy, do we have a doozy for you this week. Brad, uh, we are staying in outer space. <laughs> and, and in fact, we are going to tackle what some have called, I mean, it's in the pantheon. It is in the pantheon of some of the worst films that have ever been released by a major studio. And we're tackling one of those this evening. What are we talking about, Brad? Yeah. So we are, we are tackling, it took us 137 episodes to get here, but we are finally doing battlefields earth written by the one, the only Ron L Hubbard of Scientology fame. Yes. Fame? Mr. In Hubbard. Infamy? infamy. Infamy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we couldn't tackle. Look, something. we cannot, we cannot talk about that about Scientology. We are not talking about house. Scientology. Nope. So unless it's Tom Cruise, then I'm in. Um, but we can't talk about something this cheesy, uh, without bringing on, I don't know, the expert of everything that is cheesy. And that's Mr. Cupcake himself, Jose. How are you? Uh, doing great. I am, I guess I'm a cheesy cupcake. <laughs> you are a cheesy cupcake. Uh, I try it. I try it. Okay. So this movie, it shows up on two lists. That's so nice of you to call it a movie, Troy. It, it is. It's a full fledged movie. <laughs> it consistently shows up on two lists. So if you, if you search battlefield earth, you're going to see it ranked in an article titled worst movies ever made. Right. So it, and, and that article will probably reflect it um, as being, you know, that, that whole, here's a list of films that are so bad. They're fun to watch. It shows up on that too. So you've got this one category where, Worst film ever made or, or so bad it's good. Then you got this other category of greatest science fiction debacles or disasters of all time. And Battlefield Earth will typically be in the top five. Surprisingly, I have never seen it in the number one spot. Uh, number hmm. one is usually reserved for um, the Baby Geniuses sequel. Ooh, Baby Geniuses 2. Oh, yes. my God. That has shown up consistently as number one. But this is usually around the top five, to be quite honest. Uh, real quick, <laughs> I, I just got a quick question for you guys. Was this your first time watch seeing this thing? So I have a funny story. Okay. Uh, this wait. came out, this came out when I was in high school, okay. um, in the summer in May and a bunch of my friends and I were going to go see it after, after school. And we had a baseball game 
And that day I happened to take a baseball to the face and I cracked my orbital bone um, on my left eye. And so my divine intervention was uh, I missed out on going to see Battlefield Earth because I was in the hospital. Uh, Turned out Jesus was looking down upon (laughs) me that day. So, yeah. Yes. You dodged the Scientology bullet is what you're saying. All I had to do was take some balls to the face. Right, Jose? (laughs) Oh, boy. Exactly. You know, you know, that's you want a better life. Take balls to the face. (laughs) There you go. Jose, did did you happen to see this in in its theatrical run? I did. I saw it in the theater. Okay. I own the DVD. (laughs) Okay. I have before rewatching it for this, I've probably seen it. Three or four times. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I really want to get into this because this one is so interesting. I I will say uh, we're, we're not going to tackle the Scientology elements of it. We might bring a little bit of it up when we talk about the production. But, I mean, first and foremost, foremost um, and I, I thought it was L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron I Hubbard, yeah. L. Ron. Okay. What so did I say? Ron L. I think you said oh, Ron L. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sexy brother. So <laughs> just just a quick little history. I mean, this is a guy who really started his Lord Zenu. his career as a pulp fiction writer. <laughs> um, so he I, I think people forget that. It gets overshadowed by the religion that he created um off of uh I I I mean there are so many documentaries about the creation of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard from that aspect of it. You know, just pick your choice, go out there, watch it, and get the whole history of it. But one of the things to keep in the mind disappearance of David Miscavige's wife, but yes. you know, we're not gonna talk about that mm. here. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, there's a whole history and and we're not gonna get Have you all seen that. that documentary uh Which one? Going Clear? Yeah, so Going Clear. Going yes. Clear, the HBO one. Fantastic. Very good. Really good, really good. Fantastic. That one Australian guy who like would car bomb people and stuff who turned out to oh be really God. mean and then uh who was that? Uh, Leah Remedy? Didn't she have yes. the? He she had the came series on his, about it. Her show, and he turned into a good guy after a while. Apparently, so. I remember when Dianetics was being sold as like the self help book, like of the decade. It was like Dianetics will change your life. There were TV commercials about it. Oh yeah, it yeah, crazy. infomercials over the whole thing. And yeah. and again, we can't do it justice in terms of the crazy stories um about Scientology in general. But today is going to be about Elron Hubbard, the storyteller, especially in the science fiction realm. So if you go back and kind of look at his start and who he was schmoozing, schmoozing, smoozing, I can't say, I can't talk tonight. When can I talk? That's the problem. Um, if, if you go back and look at the authors and everything that that he was hanging out with, I mean he was hanging out with some heavy hitters. And his start was in storytelling specifically within pulp and science fiction battlefield earth was a novel that had come out in the early eighties and was kind of a big deal. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the production and development, because that has an interesting story, the release of the novel as it leads into the film rights and everything else, which is where we'll talk a little bit about Scientology, but for the most part, we're going to concentrate on the film. We'll concentrate on um, L Ron Hubbard as a storyteller, and we'll leave the Scientology stuff to the experts. But let's go back in time, Brad, and take us back to 2000 when this sucker hit the theaters that summer. 
Yeah, so um, <clears throat> Battlefield Earth, a saga of the year 3000, comes out in May on May 12th of the year 2000. So this is looking in <laughs> to a thousand years um, into our future. Okay. Ron L was uh, smart about that. Don't put it in like 2100. Do like 3000. All right, come on. Right. Um, with a reported budget of $73 million, but Troy, we finally did it. We always make the joke about where did the money go? Someone must have done some fraud and ran off with the money. Someone actually did in this movie. They they inflated the budget and ran off with about $31 million. So yes, awesome. They finally they did. did it. This is the movie. This is the movie uh, that did. Franchise Pictures. Yeah, Franchise the... Pictures uh, yeah. inflated the budgets and uh, yeah. Someone lined their pockets very and nicely with the budget of this film. Um, so total box office run. We have domestic $21.4 million and internationally 8.2 for a grand total of $29.6 million. So even at 40 million is a bomb. Which Ouch. surprises me because if you think about the number of Scientologists running around in the world, you would have thought they would have supported. They don't have any money, Troy. They're, they're buying their next way up to the next level. They oh, don't have that's true. disposable that income, okay. so they can't. Okay. okay. Um, so, that is a little puzzling, but they also, Travolta also was very much like, this is not a Scientology movie. It's a sci-fi epic. Right. So I don't know. Who knows? Um, so opening weekend, it makes $11.5 million. That's good enough for second place. It comes behind a film that we all know and love by the name of Gladiator. Um, and then rounding up the top five is Gladiator, Battlefield Earth, U571, Frequency, and the Flintstones, Viva Lock Las Vegas, Rock Vegas. Sorry, Viva Lock Rock Vegas. There are three really um, good movies in that list. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you're talking about the Flintstones, right? No, I'm not talking about the Flintstones <laughs> at all. <laughs> so the critics were not too kind to Battlefield Earth when it came out. It sits at a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes with a with 153 critical um, reviews. So not very good. And mm. the audience doesn't favor too well with over 50,000 reviews. sits at 12%. But there are people oh, out gosh. there who like this. There are people who like it. Yeah. Um, our Christian website does not like this film. Has Ooh, some pagan, has some problems. Pagan with worldviews, maybe I don't know. Bingo <laughs> or Kerbango. <laughs> um, God damn it! I, I'll just leave, guys. I'll see my way out. Um, so, for those who are not familiar, uh, MovieGuide.org is a website that. Um, reviews films not for their quality but for our little christian eyes and they have a <laughs> scale of plus four to minus four minus four being um you're going to the cyclo planets and plus four is you're going to heaven um where do we think battlefield earth sits on their scale i'll give you a hint it's not positive oh. negative three. Ooh. um gosh this is i know everybody keeps saying it's not a scientology film but the fact it's based on somebody that created Scientology, I can't imagine the Christians are real excited about that. I'll just say negative four. Ooh, negative three. It is a negative three. But Ooh. I, I was wondering if this was going to be a negative uh, four. Yeah, I thought they'd come not. out swinging at this thing. 
Okay, we're gonna go on a little bit of a walk, gentlemen. Oh. <clears throat> and Troy, you you called the very first sentence. Predominantly anthropocent anthropocentric pagan worldview um, of man's ability to defeat aliens in order to save the human race, with many pagan elements mentioning the gods, which is later refuted, as well as some moral and re- re- redemptive elements of heroic mission and display of love uh, for others Two mild obscenities and use of bastards. They did not use the word, but they censored out some of the um, action violence, including man and horse falls down ah, the horse, <laughs> the horse falling down. And so men and horse are shot with a taser. Uh, man runs through numerous glass planes, alien punches, man, Repulsive-looking food, some grotesque characters, including alien with five chins. I think I don't know if he had five. I think they're just trying to say more than one. Um, yeah. Eat rats. <laughs> oh, sorry. Men eat rats. Alien shoots at a herd of cattle, shooting one leg off each animal. Oh. They don't show him shooting off le- the, the legs. rest of it. Just right? one. Um, implied. Oh my god. Implied head blown off. That motherfucking scene. We'll get there to the implied head explosion. Uh, <laughs> woman has extra long tongue <laughs> to lick a butthole. Um, and space planes shoot at each other with some explosions. No sex, but one sexual reference by alien, no nudity, and blackmail, deceit, manipulation, and thefts. Wait, wait, wait. Blackmail black or blackmail? Huh? Like a blackmail or blackmail? Blackmail. Like Forrest Whitaker, deceit. No. Oh, okay. No. okay I was got confused. It. Thank you. The way you said blackmail, I was, I was like, are, are you pausing not between those two words? Pause, or? mail. No. Yeah. Okay. But that's what you did. M-A-I-L. You went black pause. Okay. All right. Blackmail. I know, but I thought you meant blackmail, deceit, as yeah. in Forrest Whitaker, deceit. Specifically called it out. Yeah. yeah, Brad. As your friend, when you say that word, say it a little faster. Okay. Sorry. Blackmail. Sorry. Blackmail. Um, See, I didn't go black. Blackmail. That's okay. how you said it. Yeah. And films you could have seen in May of 2000 if you weren't in the hospital with a broken orbital bone. Um, You have Gladiator, I Dreamed of Africa, Michael Jordan to the Max, Center Stage, Hamlet. Love Center Stage. Dinosaur, Road Trip, and another big one, Mission Impossible 2. Hell yeah, John freaking Wu. That's right. Pigeons, baby. Pigeons. Oh, Shanghai Noon. Also, Troy. Yeah. Ooh. little Jack Chan action. Okay. I think that- we got a Scream 3 earlier that year, too. And and by the way, um, I believe they're going into production on Gladiator 2 once Paul Meskel is done his run on the West End for um, Streetcar Named Desire. So they delayed it specifically so Meskel can play the the grown-up son of Joaquin Phoenix for Gladiator 2. Scream 3 was in February that year, I believe. Yeah. Because I yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's get to <sighs> the people who made this sucker. <laughs> Jose, I'm going to start with you. You do a fantastic job of giving us a little bit of information about the people behind the camera. Or I think on your show you call it below the line, right? Yes. Okay. Below the line. I Tell wanna- me about <laughs> Roger Christian. Yeah, I want to turn it over to you. This this has a lot of interesting people attached to the they're, production of this. And did he piss definitely. off? Did he piss off George Lucas? And George Lucas is this is his penalty for making him mad. 
You know, so that it, it's interesting you mentioned that. So our director is Roger Christian. Mm-hmm. He started in the art department and set design. That was like his forte. He was art director for Ridley Scott's Alien and Monty Python's Life of Brian. So the man has an eye, obviously. He then forged a relationship with the George Lucas, and he worked with the production designer for Star Wars A New Hope and actually won the Academy Award for set decoration for that film. Now, he and Lucas did have a very fruitful sort of relationship. Lucas handed him his first directing gig, which was for a short called Black Angel. And when Empire Strikes Back was released in the UK, that short actually played before the movie. And then eventually Christian himself would direct another short called The Dollar Bottom in 1981 that won the Oscar for Best Live Short Film. Um, And then obviously continuing to work with Lucas, Lucas handpicked him to run second unit, direct second unit basically for Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace. So clearly Lucas, if we believe he's brilliant, sees talent in Roger Christian, allows him to like foster under his hand. Uh, So Christian then branches off. His first feature is 1982's The Sender. Um, If any of you have ever seen it, it's a very tight little thriller about like a telekinetic guy that can project his nightmares and dreams onto other people or people near him. That starred Catherine Harold and Jelko Ivanic, who's a great actor. He would then follow that up with 1984's Lorca and the Outlaws, aka Starship, which I think is one of those, you know, cheesy 1980s like space movies Mm -hmm. a la like Ice Pirates or what have you. Um, 94, he did Nostradamus, for which he also has a story credit. And that had some pretty uh, big firepower behind it in terms of the cast. John Malkovich, F. Murray Abraham, Rutger Hauer. Uh, He did then the 1995 Bomb Squad thriller, The Final Cut. Not the Robin Williams sci-fi, but this one stars Sam Elliott and Anne Ramsey. A 1997 crime noir thriller, Underworld, with Dennis Leary and Joe Montana. And then arguably his most famous film, if we're not counting this one, (laughs) or infamous film, is probably Masterminds, starring Patrick Stewart and Vincent Carthizer. That's sort of like Die Hard, these terrorists take over a school. Die Hard in a school. (laughs) What's that? Die Hard in a school. Die Hard in a school, basically. And uh, this kid who was thrown out for pranks, he's pulling a prank and then realizes this happens. And he uses the pranks to get back at them. Uh, After Battlefield Earth, it looks like he did a little day tripping and filmed films in India. That was American Daylight, Mexico, Bandito. 2013, he returned to sci-fi with a film called Stranded, starring Christian Slater. I don't know, about a a moon uh, depot that gets hit by a meteor. I don't know. And then he did uh, the Christian film, pun intended, Joseph and Mary, starring Kevin Sorbo. His latest film is 2022's Galaxy Built on Hope. That's actually a documentary he directed about his memoir, Cinema Alchemist, and that follows his work on the Star Wars films and his career after that. Here's where it gets a little interesting. Your writers, obviously, Troy, you probably know more about L. Ron, who wrote the original uh, Battlefield Earth, which is something like a thousand pages. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's, so it's, yeah. it's long. It's epic. Apparently, the plan for this film was that to cover just a portion of it, and then the sequels would carry through. Um, But two credited screenwriters, J.D. Shapiro, J.D. Shapiro, who hails from New Jersey, uh, 
Before this, he wrote for TV, and then he scored with Mel Brooks's comedy Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Um, the 2000 film We Married Margot, which he also directed. And then, of course, Battlefield Earth. Um, he followed up uh, with another feature, 2016's Best Thanksgiving Ever, but primarily he has just done a lot of shorts and some producing. Now, curiously enough for him, J.D. Shapiro, it's noted that apparently he got interested in the project because he heard that the Scientology Center in L.A. was a, quote-unquote, great place to pick up women. So <laughs> he toured the center at Met Travolta, even did research, and he says that although you know he never put any of the Scientology stuff in there, he actually took a couple courses. Everybody was really receptive and friendly, even when he was criticizing the religion and things like that. They answered all of his questions. His initial draft was very darker and grittier, which Travolta liked. But then apparently Scientology came creeping in and they asked him to change it. And they had all these notes. Hubbard allegedly left very detailed notes about how he wanted Battlefield Earth to be filmed before he passed away. Um, and so when they were like, hey, you got to change this. He was like, nope. And then he got fired. <laughs> he has since apologized for this film. Um, uh, well, t uh, well I'll, I'll just say it now. He accepted the Razzie for worst movie of the decade 2000 through 2009 and profusely apologized for this film. The, the second screenwriting credit is by Corey Mandel. He has no other screenwriting credits other than um, the early draft of a TV film called Love Kills. He actually was asked personally by Travolta to write this. He turned down the job. Eventually, he took it, even though everybody warned him. And he even jokingly said his dog told him, don't take it. Don't take the job. Um, and what's even more curious is that the actual shooting script was allegedly written by somebody in an inner circle of Scientology because both Mandel and Shapiro have seen the film and been like, that's not our script. What the hell just happened? <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about L. Ron Hubbard? So again, when, oh I, when, when I make ref, no, 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 that's Scientology part. You, you right. have to remember with him as a science fiction author, so take the religion part of it, in his heyday, he was running around with Isaac Asimov, um, Arthur Burke's uh, Heinlein, Robert Heinlein. So Starship Troopers. Mm, yep. Uh, he was considered a really good pulp writer. So you're right, Jose. When when he died, he was heavily involved when they sold the film rights and really wanted to kind of bring this creation to the big screen. But don't discount um, his pedigree as a writer because there was a time period early because we're, we're talking about, you know, um, probably 30 years or so before this even hit, probably 40, when he when he was a pulp writer. Uh, he, was, he was considered very good for that trade and tradition and for his ideas. But, I mean, he's obviously running around with a respected science fiction crew, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of our producers, Travolta is producing – Here's a curious name, Andrew Stevens. Yes, the, the Andrew, Andrew Stevens, the actor from Night Eyes, The Seduction, and De Palma's The Fury. Uh, believe it or not, he's produced over 133 films, and, and the list is actually very surprising. It covers practically every genre of film you can think of. 
He is the EP on The Whole Ten Yards, which is a comedy. Ballistic X versus Ever, which I'm waiting for you guys to do. Uh, the Boondock Saints, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. So very varied. There's another producer, Jonathan D. Crane. 49 producer credits. But check out these films. What do they all have in common? Look Who's Talking, the sequels. Phenomenon, Michael, Face Off. Mad City, Primary Colors, The General's Daughter, Lucky Numbers, Swordfish, and Basic. Oh, all Travolta films. Sound like our so, so is that a pseudonym for John Travolta? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then another producer is Don Carmody, who actually has 40 years in the business. And he has produced things like Bob Clark's Christmas Story, Porky's, the Porky sequels, Weekend at Bernie's, the Resident Evil franchise, the Silent Hill films. Uh, very well known in the business. Usually has an eye for projects. So it's odd that his name is on this. Mm-hmm. Our music is done by Elia Smaral. He is Czech Swedish, probably most known for composing the scores to Apartment Zero, Ronin Stigmata, Bones, the uh, Dr. Dre horror film, and Wrong Turn. So, you know, when you hear those movies, you just think, hey, let's hire him for sci fi? Question mark. I don't Was know. Bones, Although Snoop I did Dog? like the score. <laughs> What's that? Wasn't Bones Snoop Dogg? Oh, did I say Dr. Dre? I'm sorry. Yeah, Snoop Snoop Dogg. Dogg. yeah I meant Snoop Dogg. Okay. <laughs> um, 84 scoring credits. Our cinematographer is a gentleman named Giles Nutgens. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Can't be any worse than what uh, I do. <laughs> it's not Nutgens. Nutgens. Well, I didn't want to. Okay. <laughs> Nutgens. Uh, he has been nominated for his work in films like Hell or High Water, The Taylor Sheridan, uh, Jeff Bridges, The Deep End, which is a really great thriller, Midnight's Children, directed by Deepa Mehta. That's an uh, Indian film, which is great. Before Battlefield Earth, he mostly shot TV movies like Alice in Wonderland, The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, but has since, since then become a very notable cinematographer. Doug, Don Hemingway, Colette, he's also lensed both of the Enola Holmes movies on Netflix. So great. I think he's a great cinematographer and he's still working. And then we get to our MVP, this gentleman, Patrick Tatopoulos. So he kind of does it all. He, on this film, he is the production designer. He works some of the special effects. He's also the creature designer and the costume designer. He is Greek, French, and trilingual. Um, his wife is a member of the famous Westmore makeup dynasty. Uh, he started in art department and makeup department, but then moved up. He has been a production designer on films like Independence Day, Dark City, iRobot, Underworld Evolution, Live Free or Die Hard, Total Recall, the remake with uh, Colin Farrell, 300 Rise of the Empire, Batman versus Superman, Justice League, Melissa, Maleficent. So this guy has an eye. But he's most known for being a creature designer. And we're looking right at Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. He was the creature designer for that, as well as other films like Van Helsing, Riddick, Christoph Gans's Beauty and the Beast. Christoph Gans directed Brotherhood of the Wolf, but mm-hmm. he also did a live adaption of uh, live adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. It's spectacular if you've never seen it. Super Mario Brothers, Stargate, Independence Day, Spawn, Pitch Black, Curse. Venom, The Cave, Silent Hill, Underworld Evolution, I Am Legend, Solomon Kane, 2012, Blood Creek. The man can do it all. He's done and, a lot of those movies. Yeah, we yes, talked about some of those movies. <laughs> he's directed, he's only had one directorial feature that was Underworld Rise of the Lycans in 2009. I think the consensus was stick to special effects. Yeah, not as a, not as a director, <laughs> no bueno. Yep. Yeah. 
And that's below the line. Wow. All right. Well, let's talk about the cast. Uh, we, I think collectively, have just uh, actually talked about John Travolta because we kicked the year off with a fantastic Staying film, Alive. Staying Alive. So in this film, he plays the the head cyclo Terrell. Now, just for context, Battlefield Earth is 2000. Pulp Fiction was 94. So that's the resurgent resurgence of mm-hmm. Travolta. Face Off is 97. We're, we're getting closer to 2000. So he's starting to do movies like Civil Action, The General's Daughter. Relatively, I mean, still, I, I would say, an A-list actor, right? The shine is starting to wear off, though. It is. It's starting to. It's. It's not as shiny anymore. We get to Battlefield Earth in two thousand plus. He does another film that's released, Lucky Numbers. I don't think that did so well either. And then we get to Swordfish and Domestic Disturbance in the following year. So you can kind of see that trajectory. He he's got you know his his stars rising and now it's coming down. And I think Battlefield Earth accelerated that a little bit. Mm, sadly, yeah, Forrest Whitaker plays care the other cyclo um this is what he's doing leading up to battlefield earth we've got ghost dog the way of the samurai 99 excellent light it up in 99 and then in 2000 he's got battlefield earth and another film called four dogs playing poker now six years later forrest is going to win an academy award for best performance in a leading role for the last king of scotland it's a great film yeah. Um, he's excellent in panic room too. panic room is one of my favorite force Whitaker roles. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, force Whitaker is all over the place. Um, can, mm-hmm. has done the lead roles, the character parts, everything else. Just real quick, your guys' take on him. I, I mean, is he one that the minute that you see his name, you're automatically interested in something or, um, you, you have a different thought about him. I'll start with you, Jose. Um, he's always been a fascinating actor to watch. I mean, you know, watching his performances, you can you can really see things bubbling like under the surface and him really putting his effort into it. He's a great actor. Um, there was a time where if his name was on something, definitely I'd, I'd go into it. Um, but I, I don't know. He's 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 never been like the marquee draw for me, but uh, it's always nice to see him in a film. And he usually does extremely good work. So. Yeah, I even remember him from. Uh, he was the uh, the rookie in Blown Away with Jeff Bridges. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So, but he's just like been in everything. He's like a great actor, you know. Okay. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I really like Forrest Whitaker. I mean, even when he's playing kind of side characters in like weird sort of movies that are probably just average, sort of like your Vantage Points, your Street Kings, your um you know films like that are but i i really like him um you know he was in a star wars film so he kind of gets a pass for me um <laughs> but yeah i i think he's really really great as an actor like i said panic room he's wonderful in that um last king of scotland i mean i i think that movie is pretty okay but his performance makes it like a watchable film um so yeah like i think he makes films better just by him being in it. Um, whether or not they're, they go from good to great. Maybe they go from fine to okay. Um, but you know, he's, he's up there for me, man. I, I really like him. Uh, way of the Samurai is, uh, another one of those films that I think is criminally underseen. 
Yeah, I, I became a Forrest Whitaker fan after a film in 1990 with him and Anthony Edwards called Downtown. It was just this little action That's awesome. uh, film that I, I feel like nobody remembers and everybody forgot about. But I remember seeing it in the theater, and uh, he, I think, is the best thing about Downtown. I mean, I like Anthony Edwards in two. It's, it's a fun little film, but as soon as I saw him, it was, okay, I, I want to check out all the stuff this guy does. And I've, I've never been disappointed. And I, I agree with your comment, Brad, like he will take some, you know, whatever part he's playing, he can elevate a film with his performance and he's always good in what he does. Uh, you know who EP'd downtown? Who, who did that? Gail Ann Hurd. Really? My favorites. Okay. That's how I've seen the movie because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge Gail Ann Hurd fan, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's strange. I think that, that Forrest Whitaker seems to really shine in supporting roles. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't think a lot of times they don't, the movies, he just hasn't had a chance to be the lead in the role, but every time he's in it as a supporting actor, like he just, like you guys said, elevates the the proceedings. He's well, fantastic. I mean, he did win an Academy award for being the lead character in a film. True. Yeah. So, I, true. I just, he, he gives that for vibe. The that most he's, part. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I would agree. I would agree. I, I just never feel like he's phoning it in like whatever he's mm-hmm. given right or wrong he's in it and uh you can you can tell he's giving a, a an always Troy, an interesting you could argue he was phoning it in in this movie because he probably had no idea what was going on i don't i don't think so uh i i think he's one of the best things about this film to be quite honest we'll get we'll get there we'll get there uh we get our hero now this is the role that john travolta originally wanted to play but he got too old and so mm-hmm. the johnny good boy tyler role which is the hero of our story that went to name. barry pepper now Barry had a pr- w- w- was doing really well leading up to this film. Uh, he's in this film not, uh, Firestorm in 1998, fun little action film. Then does Saving Private Ryan that same year, plus Enemy of the State. Following year, The Green Mile, which is a phenomenal film. Then we get to Battlefield Earth, and we all fall down. So those are released in 2000. He bounces back. I think this is an HBO film, 61. The asterisk. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. He's um, Roger Maris. Yes. Amazing yep. film. And then knock around guys from 2001 as well, which is a lot of fun. Um, is that is knock around guys? The one with Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I get that in boiler boiler room or yeah. Boiler room. The, yeah. Up. Those two knock around guys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what you guys think. I I'm not a huge Barry pepper fan, but I, I still think he's a good actor. Uh, 61 is, is probably my favorite film that he's done. I really, I mean, I love baseball films. I think he's really good in that. Uh, and he really sells like the, the whole Maris story, but I don't know where you guys land on him. I would have bought so much Barry pepper stock after saving private Ryan. And I would have held on to it way too long. And I probably <laughs> still would have been holding on to it and I would have lost the fortune, but I mean, he's really good in 25th hour as well, yeah. but he made some bad choices in some films, namely Battlefield Earth. And he just never really seemed like he got his moment. Like I would have I would have said Barry Pepper is the guy coming out of Saving Private Ryan that's gonna have a career. And like it was Vin Diesel and it was Matt Damon, obviously, and it was Tom uh, Tom Hanks, like it was all the other guys besides him. And I never could figure out why Barry Pepper wasn't bigger. Than he was. Okay. What about you, Jose? Where, where do you land on him? I love him. I love Barry Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Brad, Brad, you know, 
hit it right on the head. He was on the cusp of becoming like the next Brad Pitt or the next big thing. And sadly, he just, you're right. He made, he made bad choices. I think even in the roles where he was a lead, the film wasn't the strongest. And then he got typecast basically as like a soldier, you know? Um, yeah, but, wasn't he, he in the Clint Eastwood, the flags of our fathers or was he mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the yep. other one? Yeah. He was in that one. Okay. He was in flags of our fathers. Um, uh, ended up in True Grid. He was in the Lone Ranger. He had a small bit part in the Lone he, Ranger. He did. He, um, oh, that's right. He, yeah, he really wasn't getting stuff that showed off his skills or even a role that would differentiate him between everybody else. Like that's why I like sixty one because yeah. I remember him in sixty one, uh, yeah. but I, I don't remember him a lot in in the other films. You could list his filmography, and I'm like, oh, he was in that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but him and uh, Tom Thomas Jane, I think. Uh, yeah, Thomas Jane. They were they were the the leads in sixty one. That was really really good. But uh, it's just a shame because I think, you know, I think he's a great actor. Okay. Now, it, John, Forrest, and Barry are probably our three mains. All of the other names we're going to talk about from here on out, character actors, except for one, which I think uh, holds a little bit of prestige in in terms of acting credits. But let's run through this. Kim Coates. We've talked about Kim before. Uh, he plays Carlo in this film. He's the rapey drifter guy in Waterworld. Ah, uh, uh, yes, fantastic. He's the rapey actor. drifter guy in everything. Yeah, film, he does actually. have that. Yeah. Did anyone 100%. watch that Sons of Anarchy show? No. Oh my God! Yes, I was loved he? him on Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, and then what's the other? What's the other film that he was in? Uh, he's been in a ton of stuff. Like you, you'll turn your head, turn the channel, and next thing you know, he's in a film. Um, he was, I will say in one of the worst films that I think I had ever seen officer down. That's what I was just about to say. I was like officer down. It's terrible. (laughs) I mean, it's supposed to, it's based on a comic book. It's kind of supposed to be a Deadpoolish like film, uh, lots of violence, dark humor. And that movie was terrible. And, uh, he helped it being terrible. Uh, I, I actually think he's like, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen him in. But other than that, he he plays the the I don't want to say the rapey guy, but he plays just a guy that is usually questionable in terms of morals and and just the seedy character, background character. He's really good at that. Yeah, the loose cannon. The loose cannon. I like that. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Sabine Carcenti as Chrissy. Uh, not they don't really do much with her Mm-mm. now. Around this time period, she had just finished working with Mark Dacascos on a little TV show that didn't last very long, The Crow Stairway to Heaven, lasted from 98 Mm. to 99. And then we've got Richard Tyson as Robert the Fox. Now, the only film that I ever associate Richard Tyson with is Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, as the villain. (laughs) What? Yeah, he's Chris, the main villain. Yes. Every time I see Moon Junction. Oh, okay. No, it's Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Sorry. Who is your father and what does he do? Jose. <laughs> it's not Otuma. Uh, our I, mom I, says sorry. our dad is a real sex machine. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Should I Richard, keep going? Because I, I know every goddamn word to that. <laughs> it's coming I out will of 4K. forever remember Richard Tyson for Two Moon Junction that's the one that, for me anyway, that really, really made the impression. Him and Sherilyn Fenn, I loved it. I loved it. If you're it. excited that he's in this movie, don't be, because he's only in it for about mm, two and a half minutes. 
I was waiting for him to show up. It was crazy. But when you see him, you're like, that's the kindergarten cop guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Too much action. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Lastly, let's just go ahead and give her the award for wife of the year. We've got Kelly Preston as Chirk. Now. Yeah. God rest her soul. God rest her soul. I really loved her as an actress. And, you know, even around this time period, she was getting roles, major roles on her own outside of Battlefield Earth. So this obviously was just a favor for her husband um, <laughs> to work on this film because leading up to this, I mean, she's she's working some higher profile films like Jack Frost from 98, For the Love of the Game in 99, Sam Raimi's film with Kevin Costner. So good, so Another good. good baseball movie. Yeah and, yeah, and does Battlefield Earth in 2000. But um, she has maybe a two minute part in here and Remember CGI tongue? Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. scene stealer. Let's just say that scene stealer, as Kelly Preston usually is. She's an amazing actress. Absolutely. Production and development. Okay, buckle in. You ready? And and please <laughs> jump in and sprinkle all of your stories about this that you do know. I'm going to try and hit the highlights. So, Battlefield Earth, a saga of the year 3000. It's a 1982 novel written by L. Ron Hubbard, founder of Scientology. What's crazy is when he wrote the book, he also wrote a soundtrack to the book called Space Jazz. So that gets released the same time. You can listen to Space Jazz while you're reading the book. Oh my God, I want some Space Jazz in my life. Yeah, so now again, this is why I talk about you know the the crew that he was hanging out with. So the, the significant thing about Battlefield Earth coming out, it was his return to science fiction from his Pulp Fiction magazine, uh, Heydays of the 1940s. And um, that's how it was promoted because you you got to you got to remember a lot of people at this time period outside of Dianetics, et cetera, there were hardcore science fiction fans who remember him as a science fiction writer. And so it was a big deal that he was returning to this genre. Right. So shortly after its release, Battlefield Earth rose to the top of the New York Times bestseller list and also um, of Los Angeles Times, Time, United Press International, Associated Press, B. Dalton, Walden Books. This thing just shot up, right? Number one. And according to Hubbard's literary agents, uh, by June 1983, the book had sold 150,000 copies and earned $1.5 million, right? So not long afterwards, stories emerged of a reported Church of Scientology book buying campaign mounted to ensure that the book would appear on the bestseller list. So here's some fraud, right? According to newspaper reports, church representatives promised the publishers that a particular number of copies would be bought by church subsidiaries. Um, The author and journalist Russell Miller cites a figure of 50,000 hardback copies were promised to be bought by churchgoers. There you go. Wow. And uh, local churches of Scientology and individual Scientologists were reportedly also urged to buy copies of the book. And bookstore chains, including Walden Books, cited examples of Scientologists repeatedly coming into stores and buying armfuls of the book at a time to keep it up there, right? So, book's a big hit. Nobody kind of knows about this just yet. October of 1983, the film rights were sold by the Church of Scientology's in-house literary agency to Salem Productions of Los Angeles. Two films were envisioned each covering half of the book and tentatively budgeted at $15 million each. So this was supposed to be a two-film deal. William Immerman was set as the producer for the film. Veteran screenwriter Abraham Polanski and British director Ken Anakin 
were hired to produce a film breakdown with production scheduled to begin in 1985. In November of 84, Santa Monica public relations firm Dateline Communications announced a nationwide contest to promote the film. This is a big deal. First and second place prizes were an all-expense paid trip to the film's production location and a paid walk-on part in the film. And other announced prizes included a trip to Los Angeles for the world premiere, records, cassettes, and hardcover and paperback copies of the novel. A 30-foot high inflatable figure of the film's villain, Terrell, was erected by Scientology officials on Hollywood Boulevard in 1984 in an effort to promote the production, and auditions were held in Denver. However, the low-budget project soon collapsed, and Hubbard died soon afterwards in 1986. Hmm. So that's that's the end of the first run. So Travolta, who is a Scientologist, began attempting to adapt Battlefield Earth in the mid-90s. He was unable to obtain major studio funding because of concerns regarding the script and its connections to Scientology. In 98, it was picked up by independent production company Franchise Pictures, which specialized in rescuing stars' pet projects. Production began in 99, largely funded by the German distribution company Entertainment AG. Travolta, as a co-producer, also contributed millions of dollars. He envisioned Battlefield Earth as the first, also in a two-part adaptation of the book, as it only covers the first half of the novel story. So the film that you see today is only half of the book, okay? Travolta and his manager, Jonathan Crane, took the lead in hiring the on-set personnel. They initially approached Quentin Tarantino to direct the film. Brad, yeah. <laughs> in it's another like universe, fiction in, space. in another universe, there is a Quentin Tarantino version of Battlefield Earth. How how amazing would that be? It, I mean, he was always teasing that he wanted to direct a Star Trek movie. Maybe it was because he never got the chance to do Battlefield Earth, and he's always just wanted to go to space. I think so. I think so. We Shoot can, his boots, man. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> Battlefield Earth is Pulp Fiction in space. They're very similar. If you, <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> um, when Tarantino declined, Roger Christian, a protege of George Lucas, was recruited the director on the advice of Lucas. <laughs> Christian had most recently been the second unit director of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Now, here's where it gets very interesting, and, and you've already mentioned this a little bit. In 2007. Franchise Pictures was sued by its investors and went bankrupt after it emerged that it had fraudulently overstayed the film's budget by $31 million. This, coupled with the film's poor reception, ended Travolta's plans for the sequel, so it never came off the ground. And, and allegedly, out of the real budget, most of it was uh, Travolta's salary for acting in it. Yeah. Which is weird because he's also a producer. It's like... How are you going to produce something, star in it, and take the most money? Yeah, just moving money around, right? At what point does it become a tax write-off? So I think Travolta made out fine. He didn't lose his airplanes. Probably. Uh, This one actually (laughs) won. Or Thetans. Yeah. (laughs) This one won a ton of awards. So here we go. Razzies. Worst picture of the decade. You've talked about this, Jose. Worst (laughs) drama of our first 25 years. So it got those two big ones. Now, the year it came out, it swept, man. It got Worst Picture, Worst Actor, John Travolta, Worst Screen Couple, anyone sharing the screen with John Travolta, Worst Supporting (laughs) Actor, Barry Pepper, 
or supporting actress Kelly Preston. Come on. Oh, come on. She, yeah. That's a cameo. It's not a yeah, supporting role. It's dumb. Yeah. All right. Worst director, Roger Christian, and worst screenplay, Corey Mandel and J.D. Shapiro. Now, it wasn't even their script. <laughs> yeah. That was shot. Around 2000, we also had another group that was like doing the same thing, and they were handing out the Stinker Awards. So it swept here, too. Worst sense of direction, a.k.a. stop them before they direct again. Roger Christian won that award. Worst on-screen couple, John Travolta and everybody. Worst on-screen group, the Cyclos and Man Animals. Worst Man actor. Animals? <laughs> That's a good imitation. That is good. Worst actor, John Travolta took that one home. Least special special effects. <laughs> this film. Worst on-screen hairstyle. Uh, both John and Forrest got that one. It got worst picture. Most unintentionally funny movie. And Barry Pepper also took home the worst supporting actor for this one as well. So there you go. Was of, it really unintentionally funny though? <laughs> that's a good question. We'll we'll have to get to that. Uh, yeah, that's all the background. You know what? It, what's funny is there is a whole side to the production of this, and a lot of stuff you can read about how involved were Scientologists um, in the Church of Scientology. Depending on where you go and read. Some will say they weren't involved at all. It was billed as a pure science fiction film. But there's a lot of articles and a lot of people now talking about it saying you, you've got the church leaders who are looking at the daily rushes and then going back to the studio and then making demands at all of these different changes. So whatever ended up on the screen, I think only those between the studio and the inner circles of Scientology will know who influenced what. But we are left with a pretty fascinating film to kind of dive into. So how about we take a quick break and then we get to share our thoughts on what is considered by some either the worst science fiction film ever made or one of the best bad films ever made. I guess I guess we can decide where it lands or maybe we got a, we got a new version. I don't know. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's intermission. Rise and stretch time. Time to refresh yourself and visit our snack bar. Got a yen for hot popcorn? Your favorite soft drinks are sparkling cold. The juicy Frank sizzling hot. There's delicious coffee freshly brewed. And all kinds of ice cream and candy to tempt you. Showtime will be announced loud and clear to get you back to your car in time. So stretch your legs. Come to the snack bar now. The only good human is a dead human. The bizarre world you met on the planet of the apes was just the beginning. What lies beneath may be the end. 20th Century Fox takes you beneath the planet of the apes. This is the year 3955 A.D. The apes are building a war machine aimed at planet domination. Superhuman mutants strike back with new and terrifying weapons of the mind. In the atomic rubble of what was once the city of New York, civilization's final battle is about to begin. The only good human is a dead human! Beneath the planet of the apes, with James Franciscus, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans, Linda Harrison, and Charlton Heston. Can a world long endure half ape, half man? The answer lies deep beneath the planet of the apes. In color, rated G, general audiences. 
Okay. Let's get into this, guys. Um, Jose, you've seen this probably more than... How many times did you say the you world? Watched? The world <laughs> yes. probably. Jose is more probably the, the person who's seen this movie the most. Yeah, I've probably seen it. He's seen this movie more than the editor for <laughs> probably five times total in my lifetime. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Okay, well, I want to start with you, man. Do you, th- was this your fifth watch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let us have it. How was number five? Here we go. I, <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't have watched it that many times or even bought the DVD if I didn't get a kick out of it. And I, I will say that. <laughs> Rewatching it again, I mean, obviously the it's it's cheesily written. It's it's just not paced very well. Travolta comes in and chews the scenery, and then it. Uh, I, I will admit it then turns into this very standard like revolting humans against the alien warlords that have taken over, um, and, and then the video toaster effects come out and then just kind of it's kind of like good god what am i watching right um but for that first half um i mean some of it's actually really really funny i mean a lot of it doesn't a lot of it doesn't make sense right like if the cyclos have been ruling for a thousand years how do they not know where all the gold is how do they not know about fort knox um but again, there were just little little parts of the movie that I just found kind of funny and entertaining and endearing, like Barry Pepper walking into a, a into a plate of glass because he's never seen glass before. He's never been in a place, uh, you know, a building like that. And then, you know, the the cyclos sort of misconstruing their observations of humans and their commentary uh, about me? that. Their main animals. Man animals, man animals not exactly. Humans, man animals. Um, and you know that that scene where he's like, "Time for lunch," and he's got the rat in his hand or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's it's they obviously had some comedy in mind when they put this together. Um, I I think the action is a little half baked. There's a lot of Barry Pepper running in slow motion and dodging things as 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 they blow up. Um. But, you know, as as a standard sort of like action template of a character, the Johnny Boy Tyler role or whatever. I hate that name, by the way, Johnny Boy. They don't even mention his name, actually, until like 50 minutes. Into so, the film. yeah, why does he get this long name and everybody else just gets like Carl or well, no, I guess there was Robert the Fox. Sorry, <laughs> Carlo, Fox. Carlo, Chrissy, Chirk. But yeah. he's got Johnny Good Boy Tyler. Right. But they just refer to him as Johnny. But like, I don't know. There's a there's a muscular sort of like sexiness about him there's nothing groundbreaking oh, who? about barry pepper barry pepper yeah is muscular um, and sexy yeah to me challenge <laughs> no challenge okay so now unfortunately like you know this he's doing the best that he can with this script and you can see hints of the potential that he's shown in other films it's just that it's just such a standard like Spartacus thing. Like, why are we fighting each other for food when we should be fighting them? And here's some green slop for you. Um, but I don't know. I, I got a I got a kick out of it. I laughed. Um, it's super cheesy, and then it gets bogged down in all of that like really really bad special effects. Like I'm talking like the ending of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the first film. 
like the computer effects do not hold Dude, it's up. It's like just film. 3D level. Yeah, this is it's it's standard video toaster stuff. I mean, I was looking at the list of like special effects people and I'm like I don't think any of these exist anymore except for like Rhythm and Hughes and some other some other outfits, but you can kind of see why they don't. Um, I, I, I got to go back to this comment about Barry Pepper's hotness. I'm, I'm looking at an image of him right now, and all I see is like Dollar General Mel Gibson in this outfit. Uh, <laughs> Be nice, Troy. No, I okay, mean, I even, will, even with that I thing sticking this. out of his nose for the breathing apparatus doesn't help him, but I, I don't I don't see it, man. I will say this. He, he didn't age well, and I don't know if that's just because, you know, I think he was it looks on the cusp of becoming a good stuff. actor. Yeah, he looks, uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I think in this movie, I, I found him to be beautiful. But uh, yeah, no, I I enjoyed watching it, even though it's a completely terrible train wreck of a sci-fi film. And, you know, Brad, you, you mentioned this as well. They riff off of all of the other great sci-fi films, right? There's these mid-wipes that kind of look like Star Wars. Um, it looks like Endor at one point. Um, Dude, the, they steal the Zora death from yes. Blade Runner. Yeah, I was going to say that. Can, the, beat for beat. Can we yeah, can we take a pause weird. here for a second and talk about, let, let's break down some of the filmmaking and start with how many movies did they end up copying? So you've talked about the Star Wars dissolves. God, there's so many midwipes. Well, but, so yeah. many midwipes. But don't they do it kind of weird because they start Yeah, they'll the do it in like the middle of a sentence because they don't know yeah. how to get out of a scene. Okay. Like there's right. one where Force Whitaker, you like, you think you're getting ready to speak, and then they just midwipe out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I guess. All right. Yeah, and and the film closes with the wipe into the center. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Dutch angles. Ooh, let's talk oh about Dutch my. angles. Yeah, so this should be called I, Dutch I, Angle the movie. <laughs> yeah. I will say. Oh God. At first, at first, I was like the Dutch angles, whatever. They're they're ridiculous. However. It helps to play up the size difference between them. So there might have been a purpose to the Dutch angles. I don't know. Lord of the Rings wasn't much farther after this movie. Wasn't it 2001? And look how yeah. much better they did it. And they didn't have to do Dutch angles every step of the way. This is true. Christian says that he chose a lot of the Dutch angles because he wanted to look wanted it to look like a comic book. But I don't know many comic books no. that have tilted panels like that. I, I don't know no, if it like, was what comic comics book were you or reading? just the the pulp um, era of like the forties and stuff like that in general. Yeah, possibly like yeah. Uh, Jack. Anyway, I'm drawing a blank on his name. So you, Jack, you mentioned Blade the Runner, comic, the comic person. Um, so we get the person running through the sections of glass in slow motion, which is shot for shot from Blade Runner. What, what other movies did you guys catch that they were? I, f I felt like the back end was very Independence Day heavy. Planet of and the Star Apes. Star Wars. Yeah. Planet of the Apes. Yep. All of it. Soylent Green. <laughs> Some of the yeah. politics and the corporate yeah. greed stuff of like Soylent Green and Rollerball. Holy shit. You want to talk about a movie that talks about filing paperwork? My <laughs> Lord. Yeah. I felt like some of the Phantom Menace stuff kind of eked into this in terms of all the politics and leveraging and all the others. This movie is very wizard, Troy. Oh, but, yes. I, but, you know, I, I found it kind of comical that, you know, we're seeing this, the Cyclos race, right? And there's, I guess we would assume that they are evolved, but they're just as backstabbing and horrible and like, you know, corporate as humans were like before they got destroyed. So I don't know. I thought that was, I found and that Turl, funny. Turl is like the head of security. Like he's not up 
the corporate ladder. He's like middle management at best. So he, yeah, but he's trying to move up. And I love that scene where they're like, you know, with with a with an option to renew for fifty years, with an option to renew for fifty years, and it echoes as he's like eh, grimacing. It wasn't because he slept right. with some politician. Yeah, he slept daughter. with somebody's daughter. His daughter, yeah. But they only reveal that afterwards when he's like, "Had I known that was his daughter, I would." <laughs> Which is odd because we all know Travolta has gotten into some trouble like that. Yeah. So, and did you see Kelly Preston's tongue? Why are you cheating on that? Just. What For a ticker your prostate with I that d- uh, well, I d- Okay, yeah, true, true. Um, all right, what, what else? I mean, is that... Oh, and then the finale didn't make sense. They, they're supposed to blow the dome, and then all the air is supposed to come in. So he crashes it into the dome and opens it, but, like, they're still not dying? I don't know. I don't know where that went. I figured if the gas came in, the gas came in, right? I don't know how physics work. They had their little nose things on, though, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they yeah. did in the dome. I think the plan was you crush the dome, and they, they only wore the, the gas things outside of the dome, right? Right, but once they were – right, and then Are all Are you trying to tell no- me that there's the logical flaws in <laughs> Battlefield Earth? Because I, I don't, don't believe that. I don't think yes. so. I think it all makes sense. I think Jose – he's already also, talking – it's very pur- every time they're outside or anything, it's purple. It's just purple. And then when the sun yeah. is supposed to be shining, it's like yellow. It's like we're in traffic all of a sudden. There were a lot of use of like colored filters and stuff that was kind of annoying. Yeah. Well, Brad, how did your watch go? Troy, uh, not well, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Um, my leash for science fiction is pretty long, too. I, I love science fiction. You I do love, like you, you like that genre. You like a lot of movies I didn't think you would like in that genre, and you like, which yeah, I didn't know how you were going to land on this. I just like, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. It just it, it speaks to me. Um, but we've, we've talked about, I mean, Travolta is a bull in a china shop in this movie. Um, it's... It's a little bit endearing at first and kind of entertaining for like the first little bit, like the main animal thing. And like, he doesn't cuss. He says like crap all the time. Like this is like listening to a bunch of fourth graders talk about like (laughs) crap and oh shucks and all this stuff. You're like, what is going on? Like, I didn't know if maybe like Scientology, they don't want you to cuss so that's what they're going for what did you think of how they handled um the so this is a film where you've got two different languages right (laughs) being spoken you've got the cycle language and the man animals so how how do you think they handled the transition um because they're supposed to be speaking cyclo but they're talking in human right so you always get that that transition going just did you did that make sense to you or, or were you confused? No, and, and forgive me. the 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 most exciting thing about this movie was whether or not I was going to pick up my phone during <laughs> the runtime. I didn't, but it was like an hour into the movie, and then we started talking about like their language and stuff. And he speaks to the one guy. He's like, "Yeah, you might know me, but you probably don't. I'm I'm a slave, and I'm going to teach you about the cyclos." I like, where was this that little sad creature? I was like, where was this an hour ago? Like, we're just now getting to the point to tell me that cyclos and main animals don't speak the same language because up until this point, they hadn't really the cyclos didn't do their little mumbo jumbo uh, bit 
I think and they now, did. I think well, I think they did a couple uh, well, of transitions where they're yeah, speaking that, that gobbledygook and then... stuff is really dumb. Um, but yeah, it wasn't I guess, handled very well. I okay. guess Barry Pepper, you know, he he got all the knowledge by sitting in that chair for twenty minutes. Um, he could do math and triangles and all. I'm like, what is this even doing in this movie? Um, it nothing is handled very well, Troy. Um, it, <laughs> it or is it all handled so well? No, it's, it's no, no. The answer is no. Uh, I, I wanted to like enjoy it as like a really bad movie um, because I also like really bad movies, um, and I think they can be unintentionally humorous. This is not one of those. It is really boring. It's too boring to be like so bad it's good because it kind of bores me to tears and. It's uh, the the plotting of it and just everything that happens in this is is so weird. Forrest Whitaker is completely wasted. I don't know why he's in this movie. Um, there's so much talk about doing paperwork and putting things in files and getting <laughs> leverage on people, and we're going to spy on people with cameras, and we're going to dig for gold like we're digging for gold at some point i'm like what are we even doing it's all very uh, it's all very close to the source material too i oh, yeah i yeah, okay um, they do say leverage a lot like yeah, i feel like it should be called to be a drink leverage game. the movie and, and isn't yeah. that like that's a scientology thing right getting leverage over someone oh, or, well it's certainly how they handle yeah oh but uh, you're getting leverage over a man <laughs> That's really good. But, I mean, Travolta, <laughs> I will say the worst part of this film is the third act because he's not in it enough. Um, yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where you're like, I just kind of wish Travolta was in every scene because he's so manic in, in, I, I, I honestly, I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something. And at least it's something I find. Barry Pepper, as much as I like him to be completely boring in this movie, just because like, he's not look, it's, I don't think it's his fault. It's just poorly written, but there is just nothing in this movie that I think I though. Okay. I will say that, that there's nothing in this movie. I think you should watch, but I honestly think you have to kind of watch this because <laughs> it's almost unbelievable. It's to the point where it's like seeing is believing, like we could talk about this for days and and you you kind of have to see it with your own eyes. Like Kerbango, why why <laughs> like we're we're just talking about Kerbango and uh you know the the bartender you're like what is going on? Like there's a 10 minute scene of him like at the bar just talking to a bartender getting drunk. O- okay, like there is an easy 30 minutes you can get rid of this movie and it's much better. Or um, could you add 30 minutes to this film and even make it better? No, Troy, you cannot make this movie better. Um, I'm just kind of fascinated by all the choices. Again, we've talked about the Dutch angles, the slow motion, the purple, the, the terrible, the terrible CGI. This might like, or is Again, it amazing is, CGI? No, it's not. Like Spawn <laughs>, laughs at this movie sometimes. Whoa, like, hold on. No, 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 no. Look, this. Okay, hold on. In all seriousness, <laughs> this has way better CGI than Spawn. It does. It does. Okay. Um, and, and 
like, look, we're looking at a $40 million film here because someone ran away with $31 million. <laughs> so like they weren't working with a ton of money, but this is still after the matrix. And like that matrix looks a hundred times better than this. Like, I'm sorry. There's just, when you do science fiction, um, you know, blade runner looks a hundred times, but like when you do science fiction and you are like, you're, you're swimming in those lanes, you're going to get compared to other stuff. And this just does well, not especially compare. when you steal from it too. Right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. When you allude to it, like there's also a point where they're showing like flame shooting up of buildings and stuff. You're like, you're trying to steal the Blade opening, Runner. the opening scene of Blade Runner. You're trying to allude to that. That is a big mistake. Cause I will tell you what Blade Runner looks a hundred times better than your garbage. Um, Can I list another well, film? Stole- Oh, go ahead. They also stole from the matrix. Like when he gets all that information, cause you're right. I was like, wait a minute, he can do triangles and complex geography and engineering now. But, you know, that was part of Travolta's machination to create this thing where he would obtain all the gold and, like, you know, suppress all of his little, like, backstabbing buddies or whatever by giving him all the knowledge and leading the man animals. But keep in mind that that concept or theory comes from a book in 1982. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Matrix may have stole from Elron Hubbard. Potentially. Just, just putting it out there. Um, the other but I also I also love the one scene where he says to Kim Coates, Barry Pepper, and he's yeah. like, well, this is what we do. And he he has a stick and he breaks it. and He goes, one of us stays while the other one pretends to work. <laughs> I, I have a I question. Know. That was that's kind of great. Do you think if I just hung out in a simulator that was a thousand years old, I could learn how to fly a harrier jet yes i do i don't you think could, so. you i could think, if travolta was standing um behind you going do it again do it again well but they <laughs> stumble upon at least turl knows how to do it they stumble upon a simulator for the harriers later on right when yeah. they find that thing and they teach themselves these people can in a week barely, they had a week. week they had a week i feel like people in the air force would be like look it took me like eight years to learn how to do that like i don't know i i i find it very believable with the because i would believe a harrier jet for most people know a harrier jet can like hover yeah i'm assuming that's really difficult well that's probably what makes it easier because you don't you just push a button and you go up in the air right it's a harrier jet i that troy sour said that i did not say (laughs) okay i'm sorry I've, i've been rambling but this movie is atrocious. So one movie, because we're talking about all these other films that it steals from, um, I, I'm going to throw this out. You, you guys tell me if I'm crazy. I, th- I think it kind of borrows heavily from Brazil as well. Oh, and, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah the, most definitely. The very the corporate beginning. shenanigans. Yeah, the, the pa- very beginning. Paper filing. And the look yes. of it and everything. Else. Like even some of the, I think there's intentional humor here. Um, and, and it is pulling, you know, from all of this stuff. And I think Brazil is kind of a big influence on this thing as well. Or even the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Yeah, a little bit. Like the Vogons are like, you know, stamped and redone and yes. blah, blah, refiled. And, yep. you know, <laughs> can you imagine like you're, you know, you're, you're at your idea board and you're just talking about and you're like, okay, well, what are some films we kind of want to, you know, take influence from uh, Brazil? Okay. Uh, Planet of the Apes. Okay. Got that. Star Wars. Yeah. Blade Runner. Yeah. Okay. A uh, little soil and green. Okay, cool. All right. We've got a movie. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. 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 Pulp Fiction in Spain. 
Pulp Fiction in space. Yeah. In space. I I guarantee. Well, Travolta's even said on the record, that's one of the things he liked about the script, is it reminded him of some of that uh, comedy, dark comedy from Pulp Fiction. It, it reminded him of Pulp Fiction. Okay. <laughs> the biggest sin of this movie. The biggest sin of this movie. <laughs> or is, is it? <laughs> Troy, yes, it is. They blow a man's head off, off motherfucking screen. I know. They had a chance to show me a watermelon getting exploded. But it wouldn't have gotten. Like in Chopping Mall. It wasn't like a rated film, though. I don't care, Troy. At least give me something. Let some guts fall on you or something. But they cut away. And even when he's shooting the The cows, cows, one leg gets shot off. Well, like a hoof. (laughs) That's all the sensors would allow. Yeah. And then they cut away. And then when he shoots Forrest Whitaker's hand off. It just kind of disappeared. Either it's like Marty McFly for a second. His hand just starts disappearing. You're like, mm, okay. Okay, well, strike against Barry Pepper. What I also didn't like in the beginning was they're like, here's the medicine. Oh, your father passed away. And then he slow-mo throws the medicine into the air while screaming like, no. Well, that's like a Scientology is very against medicine. So yeah, that's like their commentary. Ah, there you yeah. go. Well, there, there's a theory too. The reason why they're called cyclos is because it's a reference to psychologists. So yeah. cyclos are the bad Psychotherapy. Guys, right? Yeah. Uh, I, hey, I, so Jose's seen this five times. I think I've seen it four and a half. So I've seen it no. in the theater. I remember. Did you make it all the way through? I did. Uh, and, and was just like, what, what in the heck was that? That I didn't. I didn't understand that. Um, and I remember trying to read the book at one point. Couldn't get through the book at all. I couldn't either. Yeah. What are you doing with your lives? We're living, Brad. We're embracing the moment. It's a thousand pages. I know. And and it's just, it's written like, uh, yeah, I don't, oh. I have the edition before that with the, <laughs> yeah. So listeners, um, I'm holding up my copy of Battlefield Earth and it literally one. is like a doorstop. Yeah. <laughs> But I, so I, I love vanity projects. This one's through and through. And I think it's the best example of a vanity project gone wrong that you will ever find uh, or write, depending on how you look at it. Because at the end of the day, I 1000% believe this is like a bad movie entertaining category. And the comedy that's intentional, I think is kind of funny. And the comedy that's unintentional, I think, is even more funny. The reason (laughs) to watch this, hands down, is whatever John Travolta and Forrest Whitaker are doing. I think it's acting. It could be some type of weird improvisation. Either way, it's got this really weird Abbott and Costello feel to it and not in a great homage way. It's an absolute train wreck, and it's beyond fascinating. I can't get enough of it. In fact, I just want to see those two on a road trip. And, and just make that movie. Like, give me the prequel. Earl and Curl. And Curl. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I want a prequel with Turl these two stuck in a car or spaceship going across the galaxy. Just getting hammered off of Kerbango. Yes. Like. <laughs> I'm all in on that. Um, I absolutely adore every minute that those two are on the screen. And I, I again, I think they're like, acting. Time out. You said adore. Adore. They look like they're having fun. I, I do. I think they John Travolta look like is having hamming fun. it up like you've never seen him ham it up before. And Forrest Whitaker, I do think is like, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to react off of this. <laughs> and I think 
He's hilarious. He does it really well. He He's does it really you know, good. He has since said that he regrets being in this film, but you wouldn't be able to tell from his performance because he's vibing off Travolta. Yeah, I mean, they're like, great together. Like I said, I, I I think they're acting off of his script, but man, there's moments of this improvisation or they're almost trying to do an Abbott and Costello routine and it's just falling flat. Like it's, it's awesome. And because it falls flat and it's so awkward, it makes it that much funnier in my opinion. But again, I think that's some of the unintentional bits to it. Um, the production design. So here's here's another. I don't know if it's a compliment or not, but Patrick Tatopoulos, he's basically taking, and, and we've said it, Brazil, Blade Runner, Planet of the Apes. He makes this insane mishmash of a product, and it's so weird, but at the same time, it actually has a unique feel to it. It, it just does. Yeah. Um, and I can't explain it to where I can sit there and call out every reference in the, the map paintings that are terrible in the background. Ooh, bad. Yeah. They're bad map. But at the same time, it's, it's like if I did a map painting, <laughs> I, I think it's all three of us did a map painting, but there, there's, there's something about it. You know, we've, we've talked in the past. Um, and I think we brought this up when we were talking about, I come in peace with uh, director Mike Mort that, you know, there's a difference between somebody who goes out and intentionally makes a bad movie and goes, you know, I'm making, you know, sh- uh, what is it? The Sharknado thing, Sharknado yeah. 7. And and they're trying to hone in on that. Whereas somebody goes out and generally is like, man, I'm, I'm really going to take this to the next level in terms of production design. And I'm going to take all my influences and wear them out there. And I think Patrick does it. And, and he pulls it off. And when you're looking at that and you go, it ain't right. But whatever it is, <laughs> it's unique. <laughs> I have a question for the group. Mm-hmm. What is a dome? Because I don't think this movie knows what a dome is. I, I think that's yeah, a, is it a, the first word in the definition of a dome rounded. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's rounded. It's all no. triangles, but okay. you know, I think they meant like domed in structure. <laughs> I, I think it's yeah. a great example. Spirit, of somebody gave him, dome. it goes, we need to create a dome and he's like, I'm going to make a dome. And whatever he made, it's not a dome, but you go, I still want to look at that. (laughs) So in in just a fast, fascinating way, the cyclos, let's talk about the look of the cyclos. You've got this crazy, clearly it's a wig. And I I don't, don't, they got the wigs at party city. Um, Oh, and the gloves and the gloves are at party city. Yeah. And, and they're walking on stilts. So they have to walk on gingerly and they're like balancing. None of the cyclos are running. Right. So they're always off balance. They got this gross looking teeth. They look like the rednecks of space. If space had a trailer park (laughs) section, these people would be there. And I, I think what happened again, I, and you said Patrick had done the costume design as well or creature design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to steal a little bit of the Klingon look, Klingon look from Star Trek to a certain degree, but still maintain that you can see it's Travolta. But yeah. it's basically a redneck Klingon is what it looks like, and it's awesome. It's just so bad. It's 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 as if they went to Party City and go, we got to grab this for an alien, this for an alien, to put the product aesthetics on and make it little look like a Klingon, but you know, give it that, give it that you know Southern Indiana, Northern Kentucky thing going on and. <laughs> That's what. You, sorry, Brad. Right That's what you got. Um, and then, by the way, I'm I'm convinced that he has f- six fingers on one hand and five on another. Oh, I, I, I was. I guarantee they do. I guarantee it, it, it was super weird because at it, some scenes it's like, are those six fingers? But then 
in his left, I think in one hand it's only five, in the other it's six. And it looks so it's rubbery. It, like the fingers yeah, are wiggling every time they move. Very around. like he, like they can't hold things. It's like the hot dog fingers from um, everything, everywhere, all the <laughs> Yeah, or when they try to do anything, you see those one or two fingers that are just jostling. It's fantastic. On Blue My Rain. hands are rubber gloves. <laughs> <laughs> but on Blu-ray, it's it's awesome. I own the DVD and Blu-ray of this. I thing. do too. God damn it! I own this on two. I own the I know, DVD two and the Blu-ray. Um, I hate myself. But does okay. the DVD does the Blu-ray look good? Because my DVD was poopy. I, I mean, looking. It's good Mill is, Creek. It, it's okay. It looks better. I may than have the to DVD. upgrade. It looks better. It, <laughs> I will say this: it looks better than the DVD. Um, okay. And they go. poured over the special features and stuff too. So, um, but I, you know, this, this for me is a film, it's a passion project. It's somebody who's kind of pouring everything into it, thinking they're making some saga, some space mm-hmm. saga. And it, it is a perfect definition of it's so bad that it's good. Um, Travolta and Whitaker is redneck Klingons hanging out in a bar talking about leverage. You, you won't see anything <laughs> better than that. And them getting drunk anytime. Travolta well, their road trip movie would be, that would be amazing. Choice. The anytime Travolta opens his mouth, um, Brad's impersonations are pretty spot on. It's they're amazing. I want you to scream. Uh, do you want lunch? Or I forget what he yells at him when he's like putting the rat in his face. <laughs> he wants lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got um, oh, wow forcing uh, Barry Pepper to learn math and geometry, and then all the cavemen. Oh, your nightmare is over. It's my fucking nightmare right there. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, well, Troy, if all the sides are the same, it's an equilateral. Oh, got it. Yeah. <laughs> equilateral or a Sassalese <laughs> is our mystery <laughs> men reference. <laughs> yes. um, Kelly Preston, uh, Preston uh, again, wife of the year. What is she doing? I mean, She's licking buttholes, Troy. That's what she's doing. That tongue is for it's going amazing. all up in you. If you're thinking Travolta and Forrest Whitaker are just, they're out there, then here comes Kelly Preston for two minutes, and you're like, she took it to the next level. Just 100% yep. in those two minutes, she brought on, I don't know what it was, but it was amazing. And then you get the little CGI tongue, and she sells it. And you're like, well, that's a CGI tongue, but my gosh, she uh, she acted the hell out of that scene. And again, she was like the redneck version of the opera singer from Fifth Element. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> she did kind of have that big dome head, too. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Um, and then for a two hour movie called Battlefield Earth, it's not a lot of battling. Um, it's more about people getting leverage on other people or redneck Klingons. <laughs> but the last 30 minutes, you're, you're like, I, I disagree with you, Brad, when you're like, well, when Travolta enforces it, look, you get cavemen and Harrier jets ripping off star Wars independence day, you name it, they rip it off. You get, uh, those cyclos trying to run. They don't do a very good job because their fingers are like wobbling and stuff. And they're on stilts. <laughs> yeah. And it's an independence day ending more or less, except there's way more genocide in this film because they wipe out entire race and planet, uh, with this dirty bomb. Sorry, spoiler alert. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the cavemen pretty much obliterate the redneck part of the galaxy. Oppenheimer uh, didn't know what he was creating, that one day it would be used to destroy the cycloplanet. Yeah, I, I always judge the... So, I don't know about you guys, but there's bad movies that you can watch with a group, and then there's bad movies you can watch and just go, I don't know what the hell I'm watching, but it's entertaining. And this mm. is one of those for me, to where I can even watch my own and go, 
I don't know, Travolta, but you're making me <laughs> smile. And uh, <laughs> damn you. Um, I say it's actually harder to get through the first probably 10 or 15 minutes of this film because you do get the very slow motion. Oh, my dad died and running whatnot. And they're hanging out in a mall and they're explaining what the statues mean and what, you know, as soon as the cyclos show up, I'm in. I'm in a hundred percent. Oh, he beats up the golf course or the mini golf like dragon or dinosaur or something. That's one of my favorite parts. And then he attempts to eat it. And there and then that's when Kim Coates comes in and he's like, a lot of meat on that or whatever. I thought that was cute though, because he he thinks it's the monster. You know? So anyway. <laughs> Maybe. I, I all I know is after seeing this film, you know, as what three, four times, this is my fourth watch. Um, and it would have been five had I went back and finished it because I only got to halfway part. But after you see it and then you go back and watch it again, you know what you're getting into. You're just really waiting for Travolta and Whitaker to show up, in my opinion. So maybe the first part of your year, like, what is going on? What's Barry Pepper going for here? Um, and even when he's arguing with everybody and, and have you ever seen a monster? And he's trying to give that speech. You're like, dude, shut up. You're terrible. Um <laughs> But once the cyclos show up, it just goes bonkers in a in a bad good way. That that's my I agree. That is my sales pitch on this thing. Like, should you buy crap? The the Mill Creek Blu-ray will show up for like eight bucks or something or nine dollars. You should jump on that. Anytime that thing's on sale for a discount, buy it. I think I Snap bought it, it brand up. new. I mean, I paid the full twelve ninety nine price. <laughs> Brad, you're shaking your head. I just don't know. <laughs> it is bad. It's really bad. And I think I will go and say, I think it's a seeing is believing sort of deal, which is probably not off from what you're saying. It's still really bad. and so stupid. This is the dumbest movie I think I've ever seen. So dumb. I don't know. It was the dumbest movie I've ever seen. It's pretty, I, I just, it's pretty dumb. Well, yeah, I just can't believe. So when you go back and you, even if you want to read the Wikipedia summary of what the book's about, I'm a great writer, Ron L. Hubbard or just, L. Ron Hubbard. Just I'm go and writer. Just go and read what the second half of this would have been about. It sounds terrible. Like, Whoa. yeah, I mean, all of the battling and stuff like that, and and the cyclo stuff happen at this point, and then the rest of the book is them like reestablishing the human race and having in fighting the oh. politics and um, learning more technology to protect. You're like, well, that sounds boring as shit. Um, <laughs> they, they rightly so picked the first half of the book. Cause that's where the action was. Apparently I haven't read it. I only read the like summary, the cliff notes, but um, yeah, I, I, you gotta, you just gotta love and appreciate people who come to the table and they give it their all. And you go, Oh, you are just not, I don't know what you're doing, but what it is that you're not doing ends up being you're doing something so well in another category. Like you, you, you think you're playing baseball, but in fact you're playing terrible football and everybody's just enjoying the heck of, of watching you just fumble. Right. Not entirely successful, but entertaining. Brad, you can't tell me you're not entertained at any aspect of this thing. No, I like there is a lot of just mouth agape in this movie just because of all the choices they're making and what is shown on screen. But so are car wrecks and all that stuff. Like I'll watch that too. It's just, it's just a mess, but I I do. I wouldn't disagree that like 
you can't not see that. Like, I think you kind of have to see this. I movie. think you do too. If you have not seen it, you got to watch it. And if you're looking for what's that movie I can queue up and just make fun of it, you will have no problem making fun of this thing. You really can't miss. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I, I don't know. I, I would love for Travolta to come back and embrace this thing and then give us like an audio commentary and just go, this is what we were ah. trying to do, man. That'd be amazing. That would be great. Yeah, all all of these screenwriters and stuff like that who do sewn it and that's not me, etc. I, I I don't know if that gets under my skin, but it kind of does. It does me. Yeah, it does. It does me. I guess I I look at it from the standpoint of I don't know why you would come out and say that. Like you contributed. Yeah. That's what you got out there. Own it. Well, like, totally and also hundreds of people made way less than they did and and sacrificed time away from family and and did not get to really have any sort of impact on the quality of the film. They just showed up to work every day. So fuck you for being like, Oh, you know, this movie sucks, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, a lot of people chipped in and just because you sucked, doesn't mean that they suck. I, I hate that bad mouthing films. Cause it's like, you're one piece of a huge cog and I, I, it bothers me. I, I agree, man. I mean, I, I, and even if it didn't turn out the way you wanted it, but your audience uh, embraces it, for some other reason, you should embrace yeah. that. I mean, once it's put out there, you kind of lose a little ownership, I think. Well, now, art kind of can morph and change for whatever the audience makes it yeah. be. I, I mean, I know Lucas has gone back and changed Star Wars to his original vision, et cetera, but, and says, oh, I'm not going to release the old because I wanted it this way. But at the same time, you could have that debate. And to your point, Brad, it's like, well, it's now, now out in the ether. There, there's a community ownership of an aspect of it. You can keep your version out there, but maybe the community wants to see this other version. If there was a director's cut of Battlefield Earth, this guy would be watching it, I'd, I'd guarantee, just to see Actually, what they cut. Okay, it's funny but- you mention that because I, I think I read somewhere, it might have even been on IMDb, the DVD that I have is a special edition, mm-hmm. but it apparently cut a few scenes from a theatrical print. Huh. Um, so that I I swear I read that somewhere. Um, so I'm wondering if there is going to be like a full director's cut with all of those added scenes in it. It's uh, it's 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 weird. I don't know why they would call it a special edition, but they took things out of it. Very weird. So here's the thing. It, here's my. If you guys want to invest on this or anybody listening, here's here's my idea. This whole list of movies that are supposed to be the worst films of all time. I think we should create a Criterion-like label for those. Battlefield Earth can be number one and go back to the cast, the director, and go, give me everything you have on this film. Give me your original vision. Here's the theatrical cut. Here's all the special features. Do the audio commentary. Have people who have actually championed the thing, right? Come and do commentary for it as well because there's a lot of junk out there that gets special editions, um, and you go, I don't know why. And then all of a sudden there's a second disc of all this stuff with it. But okay, collectively we have this list of so bad it's good films that they weren't intentionally bad, but it was the artist vision. And then it got out there and everybody went, whoa, wait a minute. No way, man. But you know what? It's a really fun film from this aspect. Create an entire label based on that premise and give it the full criterion, 88 films, Eureka, you know, special edition 4K. Just go take all the elements, restore the sucker, and I guarantee people would buy that thing. I think it should be 
the first film should be Showgirls, and then the second one should be Ooh. Battlefield Earth. Yeah. Okay. Now I like so you know Showgirls so bad it's good. I think there was definitely more artistry in that. Sure. And certainly Battlefield Earth is not quite at the level of a Showgirls, but yeah, I I feel like Battlefield Earth, like you said, it's so bad it's good. You know. Yeah. I, I there's there's a audience. For I would that. say it's so bad it's unbelievable. <laughs> but, but again, this take that list of films that everybody's got that that fifteen or twenty that are sitting out there that I'm like, man, in the history of films, we can't believe that you know this thing exists. Put it out there and then bring everybody back to kind of tell the story. I mean, think about how great that documentary, that special features documentary, would be on Battlefield Earth if everybody yeah. sat down and told their piece of making of the film. Be great. It be would be great. Now, if anybody takes this idea and does anything with it, I want a twenty percent cut. Uh, for 20? real, though. Yeah, I'm not asking. Eighty percent. We should all be in on it. You need to bring us in on it because. Uh, yeah. Hey, if I get the money, or bring Troy in on it. <laughs> yeah, the the problem is I don't think that'll ever happen just because some of these films. I mean, if Travolta is going to you know make his money back, or the studios are going to attempt to make their money back on this stuff, they're going to ask for a pretty penny, right? But. Yeah. I, I don't know. I. Criterion just needs a sub label that just goes, here's your criterion, and then here's your I don't know what you come up with it. Less than criterion. <laughs> yeah. I like that less than here's the redneck criterion version of all these films. Um I don't know. What else do you guys have on this one? Uh that's about it. That yeah, that's about that's about it for me. Although I will I did track this down. This is on IMDB. It says here. The U.S. theatrical version has three short scenes which were removed from the DVD release. Terrell gleefully scolding the bartender after offering him a shady deal. Oh. Kerr wonders if humans can fly, prompting Terrell to pick one of them up and throw him off the edge of a cliff, which, oh, of wait, course, kills I saw the that. human. That was on that's the Blu-ray. A, that's on the Blu-ray. Was it? Yeah. Oh, it's not on my – that's not on my DVD, though. Okay. Oh. Yeah. That's and then the it says uh, – Terrell responds that this is why he's an officer and Kerr his assistant after throwing him off. And then in a scene at the library, Terrell tells Johnny one of the books might give him a good recipe for raw rat. Raw rat. Yep. Those weren't in my special edition um, DVD. You got to get the Blu-ray. It's all in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jose, I'm, I'm sending you something. I will send you the Blu-ray. Oh. <laughs> you can have my Blu-ray. Okay. Brad. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. I didn't want to take away. You might want to watch it again and you might. Nope. I'm good. What if Max wants to see it? Don't you want to show him yeah. Battlefield Earth? Mm. <laughs> well, in 12 or 15 years, whenever it is, I'll buy it again for nine bucks. Oh, well, by then we're getting this company off the ground to do yeah, these films. The and have a yeah. Whatever the inverse of criterion is. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to start with you, Jose. We just got done having a little fun talking about 2000s Battlefield Earth. Now you get to grade it. Is Battlefield Earth a bomb? Not a bomb. <laughs> oh my god. Uh oh. Uh oh. Brad's gonna have an aneurysm. Brad kicking it over to you, Battlefield Earth. Bomb. It's an absolute bomb. Even though you have to see it, it's still a bomb. It's okay. terrible. All right. Uh I'm gonna go team Jose on this and say it's you. so bad it's Woo-hoo. not a bomb. <laughs> like it goes through the black hole of badness and comes out on the other end as wow, that was a crazy ride. Look at me. I'm a film you should see. Exiting black holes as something good. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. <laughs> Kelly Preston will clean that black hole for you. That <laughs> Sorry, her character in this movie will. Uh, Kabango. Yeah. Kabango. I wonder what the recipe for that is. Again, 
if there's a recipe floating out for that, just give it to me. I'll I'll post a YouTube video of us making it and Brad drinking it. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing the stone cold one. So, uh, little listener feedback. We had, we had some. We have some good feedback, Brad. Uh, I'm going to start with Nathan. Oh boy. I think I have a great candidate for breaking Brad. It's a trauma film. It's a musical. Wait, and a trauma a t- film or a trauma film? Trauma. Sorry. Okay. It is trauma, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's a trauma film. It's a musical, and it's Italian horror. Those are three things you love. Oh, fucking yeah. 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 Oh, he says just kidding. It's not Italian. So oh. ah. uh, it's 1993's Cannibal the Musical, originally known as Alfred Packer the Musical. While not really a horrible movie, it's amazing. I think it would break Brad. Huh. Best of luck, Nathan. Is that the That's South Park guys? Was that the yeah, first? Trey Parker. Okay. Yeah, All I right. think so. We might have to add that to the list. Jose. Nate, I thought a, we were friends, buddy. We'll have to have a committee meeting on that one. See where we slide that in for the uh, I'm really excited for the Apple coming up. Uh, Actually, I have a question, Brad. Did this almost break you? Oh, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it's science fiction. I feel like when when we're triangulating which films are really going to get them, I don't yeah. know if I would pick something in the science fiction category because Brad seems very lenient in I that am. category, probably yeah. more, more so than any. Um, all right. This is from Jacob. Great episode on I Come in Peace. I love that movie and glad you guys do too. It just so happens that I'm currently reading an autobiography on Matthias Hughes called Shirtless in Hollywood. Ooh, I want to read this now. Me too. It's 500 pages and I'm about 200 pages in and he talks about how he had a three-picture deal set up, a salary of $1 million a movie, but because the movie bombed, the deal was canceled. He also says in the book that Die Hard 2 crushed I Come in Peace, but you guys didn't mention Die Hard 2. I'm guessing his memory is incorrect. He says he had to sleep on his friend's couch because he stopped getting movie offers and got dropped by his agent due to the bombing of I Come in Peace and would later meet an exotic dancer who encouraged him to go to Miami with her and become a male exotic dancer. His book is wild and I recommend picking it up. But be careful, it's hefty. I believe believe Arnold's autobiography is about 700 pages to give you a comparison. I also have some breaking Brad recommendations. Oh, here we go. Uh, Things, Canadian horror movie shot on 8mm. Ooh, I think I've seen that before. That is is terrible. Uh, Furious, bizarre martial arts movie starring the Ree Brothers. Winter Beast, very strange horror movie with claymation. Oh, I'm in on that. I'm in. Fateful Findings, sci-fi conspiracy vanity project by Neil Breen. There are many more I could recommend. I've literally written books about these types of films. Keep up Ooh. the good work. Oh, uh, Jacob nice. is the guy. Yeah. yeah. What was that first one? Themes? Things. T H I N G S. Things. Oh, things. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's it's a pretty terrible film. I, I have seen it. So, last one from Michael. Got a bomb for you. Sixty million dollar budget. Fourteen point six million dollar box office. And Kurt got paid twenty million. Soldier from nineteen ninety eight. That is, oh, I love Soldier. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it supposed to be um, sequel um, to Blade Runner? A, a spiritual sequel to Blade Runner, written by uh, is it Jed Peoples? I, yeah, yeah. I, I maybe. So I added that to the list. That may actually get pushed up. David Peoples, right? David, David Peoples. Peoples yeah. David. Did I say Jeb? Yeah. Yeah. 
David no, Peoples. We we gotta we gotta do that one, Brad. I totally forgot about that one. That's a Paul W. S. Anderson movie, right? Yeah, it is. Oh, and Jason I Scott Lee is in it Soldier. too. So good. Yeah. Um, so good. Thank you for that recommendation. Um, that one is is we're gonna have to do that one real soon. Uh, Brad. Yes, sir. February's right around the corner. Yes, it is. Last and time. And that is a time. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say last time this year, in in the uh, I don't know. This time last year, you mean? Last time this year. This time last year. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> we were Kerbango. Kerbango. I've had too much Kerbango <laughs> tonight. We love was in the air, and we're like, "Hey, wives, you program the show for February." Yeah. yeah. That'll never happen again. Ever. No, no. why? Because I had to watch a hate crime called My Boss's Daughter. That was terrible. Yeah. No. Oh my happened. God, I love that movie. Of oh course you God, do, Jose. Jose. Of course you do. So, Brad, what are we doing next month? Yeah. So, Troy, I would say you and I have a little romantic relationship together. So, we decided <laughs> let's go through films yeah. and talk about films that bombed that are about bromances. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. So, we have four films picked out for the month. And the first one we are doing is the broiest of bro films of all time. It is Tango and Cash. Yeah. I can't believe that was a bomb. What? So keep yes. in mind, it bombed critically. I think it eked out a little bit of money. Hmm. So we're trying to pick some that uh, I don't think all of these will both be a financial or. So what you're going to see on this list is one either bombed critically and did okay financially or it bombed financially and did okay critically. Got it. So Tango and Cash, what else? Uh, then we have Miami Vice. Ooh, which, love yeah. that movie. I'm excited. And this one, which I had to go and I, the studio definitely calls this bomb, movie a bomb and, and did not make as much money as they wanted. Fight Club. Yeah. And the last, but definitely not least, Showdown in Little Tokyo. By the way, there's a connection to this episode. Patrick Totopoulos designed the tattoos for that movie. Oh, nice. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Dolph in, addition to, back. in addition to, for a white guy, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen. Yes. Which <laughs> That's one of the best lines. Which made it into our, our good friend Mike Mort's movie, Chuck Steele, Night of the Tramppires. So, um, yeah. yeah good, By the way, that was a great episode. That was fun. Um, Mike guesting on I, I I come in peace. Fantastic. Yeah, we were lucky when when we've been talking uh, since we talked to him about Chuck Steele and uh, he he really loves show. And, and he was like, what do you guys got coming up? And we we talked about that film. And he's like, man, I love that film. And Mike is a uh, movie memorabilia collector as well. So tons of quad posters, um, memorabilia, stuff like that. He has I come in peace. Uh, it's a really nice poster. So, wow. Jose, watch Skip Plus. What's going on over there, man? Uh, so uh, this Thursday we'll be releasing our review of Brandon Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son, uh, his new film Infinity Pool, starring Mia Goth and Alexander Skarsgård. And I'm so we, jealous that you saw that. Uh, it's it's uh yeah. Don't spoil you'll it. Listen, you'll have to listen to the episode. No tipping hats here. Yeah. We don't need a review. <laughs> yeah, no, no capsules. But um, I think we're also potentially planning in the future an Oscars prediction show. Oh, if you nice. guys maybe want to join us for that too, 
um, just so that we can be like, this is what we said, and this is how we came out. Um, and I think I might be planning a Sundance thing with somebody on the GGTMC uh, Facebook page uh, who has attended Sundance for the last like 20 years or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's the stuff in the works. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Brad, we've got a few more days, actually a couple of weeks, and then we get to do session two of our experiment. Um, are you ready for oh, this? Yes. Oh, yes. The Apple. Is that correct? Yes. We've actually had some listeners go ahead and watch it. And I've, <laughs> after your story, did you get I did already. After um, the story you shared on the last Breaking uh, Bad episode about uh, you going deaf. Oh, I thought I was going deaf. Yes. Yes. Um, everybody had recommended you don't make that same mistake for, for the Apple. So you, <laughs> the, the, my, the funniest feedback I got about that was make sure Brad isn't taking anything during that film. He won't need to. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay, good. So there you go. A little, little warning from our listeners, but, um, yeah, if you want to check out something outside of the bombs that we're doing, we have our little social experiment going on. And uh, Brad, what did we talk about? What did we expose you to in January? Yeah, the first one for uh, Not a Bomb Presents Breaking Bread, we did The Ginger Dead Man, which I still cannot believe came out in 2005. <laughs> did anybody watch the sequels other than Sammy and I? No, I haven't gotten to it. Guys, I haven't gotten to it. You got to. They're fantastic. Got to tell you. Uh, Brad, how do people get a hold of us and send us some recommendations for the bombs that we need to review, like Soldier, Great Picks? Or, you know, we're, we're still filling out that slate this year for Breaking Bad. So Jacob did a good job of giving us some that's going to go into consideration. So did Nathan. But um, how do they get a hold of us? Yeah, that's not a pod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can head over to our website. That's not a bomb podcast.com and hit the contact us button and leave us a suggestion or comment there. Yeah. And I, I can't thank everybody enough for sending just stuff in. We love the little anecdotes of hearing about you watching the film that we have talked about and what your review of it is. Um, if you want to tag us in any of your social media posts, just go find us. Cause I think a couple of people, um, every once in a while we'll watch something we just talked about and then put the not a bomb tag in there. And we got a how, lot for stone cold. Yeah. And that's how we ended yeah. up, um, knowing that you were watching it. So, uh, we, we love that stuff and we love to go in and, and comment on your comments. So the, the whole idea of this was to be as interactive as, as possible, you know, with the community. And, um, we, we love that stuff, man. So thank sure, you. You're, you're allowed to take credit. It's you. It's what? It's you. On the social media, it's you. Okay, it is. You can take credit. Um, you do a good job. Thank you. I I, mm-hmm. I would ask for anybody who feels like they enjoy the show, wherever you're listening to the show, please rate it. And Brad, what other shows should they be listening to outside of us and watch Skip Plus? Yeah, that would be uh, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. We also have the VHS Files. We have the Mixtape podcast we have the backlook cinema podcast we have the night of the living dead podcast and i think that's about it and of course the one the only the watch skip plus yeah which you men animals <laughs> <laughs> which we may be showing up on that here soon 
And if we do, you'll, oh boy, you'll hear Troy have a mental breakdown if Jose breaking makes Troy me, episode yeah, maybe talking about there that movie. you go. We're gonna subtitle it Breaking Troy. <laughs> yeah, ah, boy, that movie did. Um, all right, I think that's it, Jose. I cannot thank you. You're a busy guy because between the work schedule, your podcast schedule, I don't know when you sleep. Um, but I, I don't know how you guys do it. You wake you up early kids. now. You have wake up early now. I got up to yeah. to take a phone call the other day early, and you were already up. It's like this yep. son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, yeah, when I, I get up to... early, and then someone else is up earlier than me because I can't be like, oh god, I was up so early. Yeah, Jose's yeah. I try us. to. It's nice to get up early when things are quiet and try to dive into stuff. Yeah, that's my mo too, man. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And uh, folks, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. Uh, please go buy, you know, watch. Buy Battlefield Earth. It's cheap, man. Rent it. Whatever. Have fun with it. Get with a group of like-minded individuals. You'll have a blast. And come back next week when we kick off Bromance Month. And um, you know, we're going to do a film that directly stole from a Jackie Chan movie. So that'll give you a little hint. That'll give you something to come back for. But uh, yeah, cool. same time, same place next week. Here are thoughts on Tango Cash. See you then. Don't lose your head. <laughs> <laughs>